Chronicle the baseball trip of a lifetime while raising awareness of needs of children in the foster system through our partnership with Children's Hope Alliance. This is Ron Clements with my wife, Patty. Hello. And we are getting ready to leave Washington to head down the West Coast. We went to a Seattle Mariners game at Safeco Field on Sunday, and that was fun. The Mariners won, so that means the home teams now are 12 and 12 yeah, on our we're trip. 500 now. Yeah, we're back to 500, which is good because we started out 0 and 5, and then 2 and 8 through the first 10 stadiums. Yeah, we didn't have a great record starting out, but <laughs> not at all. We're coming back now. Right. It helped that the Brewers won two of three when we were there in Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, you know, if they win coming up, that actually takes our record down. So we'll have to root against the Brewers. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Next stadium will be. Yeah, the next stadium will be San Francisco AT&T Park on Friday, which just happens to be my birthday as well. Oh, I think I made this joke already. It's your birthday coming up? <laughs> but we've had a good time in Washington, spending time with some family. We hung out with your cousins on Saturday. We've been staying with my cousin, Cameron. And uh, his wife, Jillian, and their daughters, Lindy and Mira. Mira, two years old, never really warmed up to either of us. But I can't get Lindy away from me. Yeah, she's a big Ron Clements fan. <laughs> totally. She's probably <laughs> six years old. She's, I think she's the president of the Ron Clements fan club. <laughs> president and only member. Oh, wait, did I say that? Man. No. Oh, but seriously, yeah, she is funny. She would come into the RV and check it out and sit on the bed and look out the window. And she's like, I'm checking out and I'm making sure whoever's coming in and all that kind of stuff. It was pretty funny. Yeah, great imagination on that kid, too. Uh, but then on uh, Sunday, we went to the game. Well, for Saturday, we, you and I, before we hung out with your cousins, uh, Ruth and Jackie and, and Ruth's husband, Craig, you and I ran that Refuse to Abuse 5K at Safeco Field, and we met Scott Service, the Mariners manager. I did not know. Scott Service told me this himself. His parents went to the same high school I did, Aquinas yeah. High School in Wisconsin. Apparently, they were blue golds as well. Right? Horrible mascot. Terrible <laughs> mascot. We need to do something about that. But um, Scott Service from Coon Valley, Wisconsin. We talked about that a little bit with Matt Raisler of A New Family Services who went to Westby High School, the same high school that produced Scott Service before he was a 1988 Olympian. And then, uh, though, after we ran the 5K, which I'm pretty proud of my time, 33-24 after not running any sort of distance over the course of the last 17 years, I'm fairly pleased with my time. I was pleased that I made it through and I did a decent time as well. But it was for a really good cause, and that was the most important part of the whole thing. Yes, it was. And then we went to Sunday's game with the aforementioned Cameron and Jillian, uh, and Jillian's parents, Jim and Tish, and also my Uncle Bruce. And after this word from Children's Hope Alliance, you will hear from my Uncle Bruce and my Aunt Deb, who were foster parents 
for 17 years and they have a very good perspective on what it takes to be a foster parent and offered advice for those people who may be thinking of fostering. So we'll hear from my family who just so happen to be foster parents, Bruce and Deb Clements, right after this. Did you know there are enough kids in foster care to fill the rosters of almost 1,500 MLB teams and their entire farm systems? We need more foster parents. Visit childrenshopealliance.org to learn more. I didn't give birth to these kids, but they're here and they're our family and they're our kids. Carrie and her husband couldn't have a baby on their own, but they wanted to raise a family. So they reached out to Children's Hope Alliance to learn about becoming foster parents. Children's Hope Alliance helped place a little boy named Riley in their home. The couple adopted Riley about a year later, then adopted his older brother too. Now their house and their hearts are full of family. To learn more about becoming a foster parent or to learn how to spread the word about fostering, visit childrenshopealliance.org slash advocate. Welcome back to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. This is Ron Clements, and I'm sitting here with my aunt and uncle, Deb and Bruce, and you guys have been foster parents. Uh, I want you guys to kind of explain how you got into being foster parents. Well, it starts at the very beginning. The real reason that we did was because our, our daughter was killed. And it kind of filled a void for us, and we took off from there. We thought we were going to adopt, but that didn't come to pass, but enjoyed it. It was, yes, we were coming up on, the, I think, the empty nest syndrome, and, and like my wife said, we were filling a void, and foster care was, uh, was, was the avenue that we chose. What is, like, one of the most rewarding things about being foster parents? What did you guys really get out of it? We knew that, well, helping the kids, I mean, knowing knowing that we were making a difference and later after a child there were several cases where after a child left we'd be going into a a store or something like that and in one case uh this little boy who we fostered for almost a year and a half almost two years he recognized us and come running up and you know bruce bruce give me a hug and you know stuff like that so and then we were looking at you know the other foster parents and we just kind of nodded and they knew that Unfortunately, this young, you know, young boy was back in the system again, and that's that's part of the good and the bad. You know, knowing that you're trying to make a difference, and then, uh, you know, some of the failures, I guess, with with foster care that the best intentions don't hold true. I mean, they don't come to to be that the uh, the mother or for whatever reason the foster kids were put into foster care. They have every intention of getting that child back, but there's evils out there like drugs and stuff like that where you know a lot of the children end up back in foster care well that's that's one of the common denominators is normally a single parent the mother and there's always drugs involved but for me I learned a lot about myself learned the patience that I had um, and you learn so much from children it's you know you get children that you don't know and you're supposed to treat them like your own but you truly can't (laughs) you have all these rules that you have to abide by so you just do the best you can and you you go by their the rule book we started out with the state we were there three years and we went to a fabulous foster private foster care agency and it was christian based and that was in 2000 and we were with them 15 years and so far we haven't had any children come back and say thank you but i know they learned 
how a family should be. You know, they learned there's there's rules and there's consequences and you know, there's time to eat and there's time to play and and what it's really like to have a mom and dad. Although we wouldn't allow children to call us mom and dad. We're Miss Deb and Mr. Bruce. A lot of them wanted to call Bruce daddy, and I said, don't let them do that. What advice would you give to someone who is thinking about becoming a foster parent or adopting? No, I advocate for it. I mean, it's so needed. I mean, I get up in my soapbox, and I've, I've, I still try to recruit. I said, if you're thinking about it, please do it. And I'll even give them the phone number to my, my old agency. What was the longest someone stayed with you guys? <sighs> An average stay was about 18 months. I would say the longest was the last two we had, and it was almost two years. And we wanted them to stay together. It was a sibling group. And we actually were able to help choose the family that they went to. So that was really rewarding. And they're thriving and doing great. Last we heard, they're still in Washington State. But they're, of course, well into their 20s now. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. When we were in Denver, we were told by a woman with Lutheran Family Services Rocky Mountains named Cindy Noah. And she said the foster system is very complicated. And that's what makes it difficult to put kids in their their forever home. Because that is the ultimate goal of of foster care. You want to find these kids in their forever home. That's right. Um, so what are some of the complications of being foster parents? Wow. The biggest one probably is knowing in some cases you feel you know what's best with the chi- you know with the for the kids or the children and uh, <clears throat> in many cases you're not going to get your way. Foster parents should have uh, more of a say in those children because they're with them 24/7. They know them the most. Whereas a lot of times the judge doesn't even see that. For for me, it was frustrating because it felt like the bio parents had all the rights, forgot about the children, and and for me, kids come first. Yeah, in many cases, you know the child. You know for a fact the child is not going back to the mother. I mean, there's it's 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 a lost hope, and uh, putting the child through, the, even if they there's a thing they call fast track. Even if the child is fast-tracked to adoption, it's it still takes way too long, in in my perspective. That uh, even yeah. even even the visits, I could have lived without those visits. Um, it, it would, the child would be in your. It was usually once a week, but only for a couple hours. And the visit was court ordered, mandated by the you know state, and the children had to be with these parents whom usually forget that they even have children, <laughs> you know, you, you know, forget they have pets. or So at any rate, so we'd get them stabilized, show them how a real life works. They go to their visit and they come back and they're back to square one. That happened every week. That was the most frustrating for me to have to deal with, the, you know, the same issues over and over and over and over and over, and over again. One little child that we had, let's get specific here a little bit. <laughs> He would go to his visits, guys, and he'd come home with lice every flippin' week. Oh, wow. And I got to where, all right, case aid, check the mom, check the dad. If he's got lice, I'm not leaving that child. Sorry, do you really want lice in your visit, your facility? So, you know, in some ways I put my foot down. So foster parents need to have more of a voice when it comes to taking care of the kids in their home. They need to do it the way, like they said, we're supposed to treat them like, like I'm going to repeat myself, treat them like your own children, but you really can't. 
my cousin Cameron, he was what like seventeen when you guys started fostering. Correct. So he was still living at 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 home. How was that for him? And maybe this would be a better question for him if he were here. But he was all for it. I mean, it was like mom and dad. It's it's your choice. But uh, there's two things. There's a couple of things. I uh, I don't want to babysit. You know, and and the, and the kids have got to be younger than me. You know, so which was fairly evident that they would be younger than him being he's already you know 17 years old but uh i think he enjoyed having you know kids around too oh he'd play with him yeah Mm -hmm. i mean one of the one of the most rewarding thing ever about fostering or having you know taking care or having children in the house is the memories you you build with them and you remember the good memories and we had a lot of them it was what over the course of what like 18 17 years how how, how long were did you it, guys it, 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 was seven, it was 17 years oh okay yeah and then i guess i know you told me before some one of the complications <laughs> one of the rule changes i guess is, is why you guys stopped fostering uh it got so frustrating for me because after a while it, it it's it it's just really started my hurting my heart because you'd see children slip backwards they'd be with you they go back to the parent. They'd end up in foster care again, but they don't come back to you. I, what's with that? <laughs> yeah, I, I get to think about it now. I'll probably start crying. But there's just there's so many things that I would like to change. I mean, if I could be a, a voice and and go to um, Olympia and help advocate to have the foster parents have more of a power, more of a say. I wonder how many people would march with me. <laughs> Come with me. So speaking of the, the rights of the foster parents, etc., what is the screening process like to become a foster parent? And I go back a little bit, too, on, on what advice from that, what more specific advice about what it takes to become and to stay what to do when you are a foster parent perseverance you don't do it for the money i'm i'm retired military and i still work for the department of defense and uh the security clearance and checks background checks and everything are actually i believe more stringent for foster care than they are for my background checks for security so uh they scrutinize very very well i mean and they did that more than once they do it every few years i think for like for the military it's almost every 10 years before you have a full background uh for foster care you you renew your license every five years and they do a background check every five years so they're they're very thorough they ask you every question you can think of about your background um the religious what do you do for discipline will you take the child to church yeah there's a regiment of questions where they put you in situations and you ask what recourse or or what your what your action would be whether it be punitive or what what would you do to correct a situation and stuff like that so they give you a battery of questions you know they want answers to and mm-hmm. and and I guess you're judged on <clears throat> your answers <laughs> but, and and safety wise they really scrutinize your home do you have a fire ladder do you have fire extinguisher do you have a first aid kit where do you keep um, your medicine do you have any firearms do you have 
water on your property. I mean, <laughs> I could go on and on. You have you have a emergency escape plan. Where are you going to meet if if everybody has to run out of the house immediately? So they cover everything, which is good. They want to make sure that child is safe. Children. Well, I didn't realize it was that intense. Does the state of Washington actually send someone out to the house? Yes, they do. They send a state licensor to to inspect the house. They let Bruce for the initial for the initial licensing. You get uh, you have to show the room, you know where the kids are going to be. It has to be a certain square footage per child. Uh, We were licensed for two in the you know for for the bedroom there, and then uh, well. We did quite a bit of respite also, yeah. which is uh, which is where you take care of a child for short term. The state allows uh, a respite. I think it's two two days per month, yeah. where you can put a child in a respite for a weekend, or you can bank your respite days and and like for your summer vacation and take a couple weeks out. But the state so, is supposed to check that home. Uh, three times a year, four times a year, and they did come in, you know, what's going on, who's living here, show me your fire extinguisher, they still have to code, show me your first aid kit, show me where you've locked up your meds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they were here, Johnny, on the spot. We, Like I said, we had a great agency. Can I name them? Yeah, oh. absolutely. <laughs> Community, family, and friends. And it was run by the Fullertons. It started out in uh, Belfair, and I worked out of office in um, Fort Orchard, and I was also a case aide. So even though there are so many hoops to jump through, and after, and you guys are no longer fostering, but if you had to do it all over again, would you? Absolutely. Yeah, Bruce That's, just nodded. You hear my head nod. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, outside of helping the kids and and just creating those those good memories you talked about, Bruce, what are like, like, what is the the number one most positive thing you take away from fostering? The agency we went through really had a good support group. Uh, the Christmas parties, that you know, the get the summer get together and stuff like that. So it's it's a community support family. The uh, the, the, the fa- yeah the family atmosphere that uh, our particular agency uh, had. Well, the best part was you could call them whenever. There was always somebody on a phone around the clock. So it was super support, and they did everything that you needed. If you asked for it, they you, you got it. Community, family, and services. <laughs> Community, family, and services out of Port Orchard, Washington, right? That's one of them. They've got quite a few offices now. Well, thank you so much, Uncle Bruce, Aunt Deb. You're really welcome. appreciate it. You know, when we were, when we came to Seattle, it was one of the things that Patty and I talked about was, you know, Bruce and Deb were foster parents. I wonder if they'd be interested in coming on the podcast and I'm glad you guys did it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Patty, there's a lot to unpack there from what Bruce and Deb said. And being a foster parent, what I took away from that, being a foster parent is definitely not easy, but very rewarding. Yes, and I thought it was really interesting that they talked about the specific organization that they worked with, that they fostered through, and what a great support system they had. And I think that's very important in the whole thing is that the foster parents are vetted and that they have the support that they need to be successful to get these kids what they need and give them the the type of life they need and the type of start that they need or yeah. fresh start. Perhaps. Yeah. And- 
talking to Bruce and Deb before and then after the interview is just, we learned a lot just from listening to them speak. You know, it's not easy. And uh, they're both in their 60s now. And, you know, they th- there was one girl that they actually did want to adopt, but it, unfortunately it, it didn't happen. But, you know, it's a, you know there are challenges definitely, but there's challenges to being a parent as well. And, and the right. ultimate goal is to find these kids their forever home, um, whether that's back with their bio family or not. So, yeah, I, I, I learned a lot by listening to, to Bruce and Deb discuss their experiences, and I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as well. When we come to you next, we will be heading down the West Coast, and we will be in San Francisco, where we will see the Giants and Brewers play at AT&T Park on Friday. Yeah, and in the meantime, we're going to stop and see some big old trees. Yes, we're going to spend a night in Portland when we leave here today. We'll spend Monday night in Portland, Tuesday and Wednesday night at Redwood National Park, north of uh, the Bay Area. And then we'll get into San Francisco, or actually Vallejo is where we're staying in the Bay Area. Vallejo, California, we'll get in there Thursday. Maybe a little warmer water that we can actually get in instead of the cold water up here in the Northwest. Yeah, really. But... Until then, guys, have a great week, and thank you once again for listening to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Thank you.